This episode is sponsored by 43 North, a seed stage startup accelerator that's on the hunt for its next cohort. This year, 43 North will make five $1 million investments, each at 5% equity. Visit 43north.org to learn more. Applications close on June 23rd, so you better get on it. ChatGPT has gotten a lot of hype people thinking about how they can write content with it, but there are so many other use cases for it for marketers too. And so what can this replace? You know, it's a great for brainstorming and thinking about, for example, like if we're trying to come up with cool puns or names for things like titles, anything, ChatGPT is a great way to do that and circumvent that creative process. But we really try to leverage that because that is changing the game. It feels like a Google type moment, right? Where the game is now changed. And if you're not adapting to it, you're going to get left behind. If you're at an early stage or growth stage VC-backed startup, you're in the right place. Season one and two, I brought on startup founders, marketing and sales leaders to explore brand demand, what approaches work well, challenges and category design. For season three, we're going deep into messy creative experiments, marketing innovation, pushing boundaries, how to make creativity achievable at a growing startup, why it's so important today, balancing creativity with results, and how to sell the CEO on the creative stuff. I'll also talk to creatives like artists and writers to understand their approach to creativity and what we can learn and apply to marketing at our startups. See you inside. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Furmanov, and I'm excited because I have somebody on that we were just chatting about this. Drew Brucker, I actually asked him to just chat with me about the show, what he likes about it, because he's been a listener of the show. So I wanted to ask him how he liked it, what I was missing and all that stuff. That was way back, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago. And now... I've got Drew on the show. So welcome, Drew. Was it that long ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Oh my God. Yeah, time flies. Well, I'm honored to be here. And like you said, long time listener, first time guest. But this is one of my favorite marketing podcasts. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. I just think it's so incredibly relevant for small team marketers, for startup marketers, and the quality of guests that you have on the show and just sharing their experiences in real time is super applicable. So I I absolutely love that I'm here talking to you today. Well, I absolutely love that you're here too. So Drew, let me introduce you. Drew is the VP of Growth at Lasso. He is the first marketing hire going on over two years. And prior, Drew, you were the first marketing hire at Full Steam, which is a payments and technology company. And prior to that, you were the head of brand and digital at Rubicon, which had a successful unicorn exit. So you've had a lot in your past and you're bringing a lot to the team at Lasso. And I actually really like following you on LinkedIn and seeing the stuff that you post. So we've been connected for a while. So I'm really glad that you're here. About Lasso, founded in 2014, based out of Nashville, has 80 people. And on the funding side, Series A, uh, you guys have raised Series A, so $7.5 million total. And a quick description, it's an all-in-one platform where event or entertainment companies work. So project management and workforce management software. 
Cool. I was kind of like visiting. I played around on the side. I was looking at what you guys are up to. And I haven't really talked to a company like you guys. Are you, would you say that you have competition out there or there's not a lot of folks targeting this industry? Yeah, it's a combination of both. Like I think on one hand, it feels very convenient to say there's not because we're digging deep into this vertical SaaS movement that's taking place for our particular industry. And we're not just coming for, you know, one piece of the pie in terms of the process of producing an event. We're, we're building out that start to finish. And so while there's no other companies that are really doing that domestically, there is there is one I can think of that's doing it internationally. I think that would long-term be the competition. But uh, right now, the competition is really by product, right? It's the idea that we're fighting against both the status quo of people just using horizontal solutions or even just like spreadsheets or things like that, or just the existing competitors that maybe have one or two of the products, right? And we're just fighting that market share fight. So it's on one hand, yes. On the other hand, no. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so let's start with, I wanted to talk about this like really simple equation you came up with and it really resonated with me and we've talked about it before and it just has been on my mind and I think it's perfect for the season three like where we talk about creative a lot. So the equation is, get your pencils out. I'm just kidding. Marketing equals creative plus revenue. You came up with this. I've been thinking about it. It's so simple. It's so perfect. And I want to talk about it because what I like about it is when people talk about marketing, some of them like they go in one, they're one sided. They go in one direction. They're like pushing the revenue side, pushing the number side, pushing like direct response just tied to revenue, short term thinking. Or you have people that are like, marketing is just help the sales team and put together those flyers and make sure it looks creative and like, so kind of sales support, brand, right? But it's both and both are essential and both complement each other and impact each other. And I haven't had a better explanation or reason to talk about this than this podcast season three, because that's exactly what I've been talking about with startups that I bring on. Talk about how you're being creative. Talk about how that ties to results. And what I'm finding is there is a direct relationship, although it's hard to sometimes explain it. There's a direct relationship when you're working on your creative and you're making it so good and so relevant for your target audience that they become fans and that builds your revenue. You're going to make me follow up with that. That was that was awesome. That was a really <laughs> good explanation. And I think like how I came to this was mostly just, you know, thinking about, you know, marketing is a lot of things, right? And and of course, like as marketers, we like to make things complex. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I was just trying to think about when you, you know, when I have calls with other leadership team members or I'm trying to explain marketing in a bubble, what is it? What does everything kind of come back to. And like, those are the two things that seem to be underpinned in everything that marketing does. And so when I think about experience, right, there's so many pieces of that. You know, it's the branding, the messaging, the awareness, the positioning of what you're doing. But it's also the experiences that start from somebody first learning about you to then considering you to then buying you to then implementing you and adopting you and then having success and then becoming an advocate, right? Like, so it's the life cycle experience. And so each of those areas can ultimately affect your marketing and affect your revenue. And then, you know, on the revenue side, right? Like at the end of the day, marketing's importance is really suppressed, right? If you don't deliver 
some sort of tie back to results and revenue. And so you brought up a great point about the balance. There's got to be sort of like an equilibrium in place there, because if you go too far on one side or the other, it's not going to work out too well, right? Like, yes, you can go there temporarily, but there needs to be this middle ground where you're at most of the time. So I don't know. I was trying to think about that a little bit in terms of like a metaphor, right? And the one I came up with is like thinking about cereal and having a bowl of cereal. You don't have enough milk in there. And it's like, why do you even need the bowl? You know, you could just eat it, the dry cereal out of the box. You don't even need a spoon, right? It's just a snack. Or you've got too much milk in there and not enough cereal. And it's just like a drink. You don't even need the bowl. Just put it in a cup, right? It's not cereal. And what makes me laugh about this is I give my wife hell for this. She pours milk in first before the cereal, which I had never heard of. I think that's just psychopathic behavior at its finest. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. There's something subconsciously, right? When you're making a bowl of cereal, you're trying to find that right balance of how much milk do I want in here with my cereal, right? And then you also don't want to set it aside too long to where it becomes soggy, which to this point, right? Like you're neglecting or defaulting for either side of the equation for too much time. And so I think that metaphor was ultimately where I landed. It's a little bit funny, but I think I think it works. And everything does come back to those two, right? And I think that's the main point here is you gotta be thinking about both intentionally. The reason I like it, and I like all things, because I like things to be just simple and easy to understand, something that like a seven-year-old can understand. And I can, Me too. Yeah. I just love it because I don't think that, I think we overcomplicate things and it just makes everything so much more, like you create obstacles, you create walls in your path and you don't have to just like break down the walls, make it super simple and then go. So let's talk about creative because it's part of the equation. It's an important part of the equation whether it's you're spending 40%, it's 40, 60 or 30, 70 or 50, 50 or whatever, we're not going to talk about that. But what does it mean to you? Like, how does creativity show up at work or in your life? Yeah, I think I've really been able to take advantage of that after hours. I talk about this sometimes, but it's almost like the nine to five, more or less, right? Like you're so focused, especially in some of these smaller startup environments, you're so focused from going meeting to meeting or project to project or task to task that sometimes that creativity is just going by the wayside. To, to be creative, in my mind, it's it's got to be intentional in terms of you're not focused on anything else. I feel like there's a part of creativity that happens just sort of serendipitously. And For me, the five to nine is great for that, right? So when I'm out taking my dog for a walk or my kids for a walk or I'm in the shower or I'm mowing the grass or, you know, any of those things, right? Like reading, journaling, like those are where my best creative ideas come from. Even podcasts or connecting ideas that maybe already exist and building them or changing them or connecting things in unfamiliar ways. Like I'm thinking about that when I'm trying to be creative. And it's not, I don't think it's a talent you're not born with a creative gene or not. There are actually ways to purposely become more creative. I do think like maybe the balance is different, but those moments outside of work where I am not scrambling around provide the best opportunities for me to be creative, think about how I can maybe implement this here or integrate that into what I'm doing either on the personal side or at work, right? It goes beyond just at work, but thinking about it in that way. So I'm stacking on things I'm already doing it's not just me sitting in a room, like staring at a blank wall. It could be, but that's not necessarily what creativity is, just silence. It, it's 
hearing things and interpreting them and, and changing their form and sort of building on them. Hey, it's Anna, the host of Modern Startup Marketing, the show that you're listening to. I'm also the founder of Firminov Marketing Consulting. People call me the Marie Kondo of startup marketing because I help early stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus. So whenever you're ready, there are three ways I can help. One, as your startup's fractional head of marketing, I've had over 25 happy clients and mentees. Two, you can sign up to get my monthly newsletter where I'm sharing playbooks and insights and cracking some jokes. And three, you can sponsor this top 5% podcast and get startup founders, marketers, and VCs hearing about your brand. And now back to this episode. Let's talk about Lasso. Yeah. Because you're doing some really fun things and you're trying to get people to change their minds around like the status quo that they're using, the tools that they're using today. What would you say are you like one or two creative marketing ideas or things that you've implemented and how did, did that tie back to the results? With um, one to two ideas, it's really tough for me, both as a person, because like I don't really think about them in the moment. I'm like, oh, this is the one big idea. Like this is the silver bullet. But like I do think our team really, we use sort of creativity as an ethos. Like it, it's it's a part of us. It's ingrained into what we do daily. We talk regularly as a team, like both synchronously or asynchronously. So we give each other intentional time to be creative, which I think is sometimes hard to do in fast-paced environments. With that said, though, there are some things that I'm just thinking about right now. Like, obviously, AI is a hot topic. We're constantly talking and communicating about new tools that we're seeing, and we're giving each other the time and space to play around with those and talk through them together and think about how we can integrate them into the workflow, right? Like, obviously, ChatGPT has gotten a lot of hype people thinking about how they can write content with it. But there are so many other use cases for it for marketers, too. And so what can this replace? You know, it's a great for brainstorming and thinking about, for example, like if we're trying to come up with cool puns or names for things like titles, anything, ChatGPT is a great way to do that and circumvent that creative process. But we really try to leverage that because that is changing the game. It feels like a Google type moment, right? Where the game is now changed. And if you're not adapting to it, you're going to get left behind. That's one creative idea that we're implementing. That's not necessarily something that's necessarily tied to results. But one thing we are doing is similar to you and a lot of companies right now, we've utilized the podcast idea as sort of the starting place for content scale and doing that with video scale. So we'll shoot a podcast, we'll break that out into clips and forms and blogs and takeaways and posts, right? Like that just seems like a no brainer because even if no one listens to the podcast, it's still creating content. It's a content engine for you. And it's one of the faster ways to scale content on a small team. So that's number one, right? But we're also thinking about how can we be more video forward? So the other thing that we're doing actually right at this very moment is we've selected, you know, a dozen people internally as SMEs, so Lasso employees from different departments. And as a part of like the, our content strategy and our head of content, thinking about very different questions we could ask each person. So let's just call it 10 questions. They're all different, but they have a purpose. They're intentional. One could be about, hey, Drew, you know, tell the event industry, what the marketing team is doing to move the industry forward or to solve for X or do Y, right? So pulling back the curtain 
on what Lasso's doing as a company because people buy into that too, plus the humanization of who's talking, right? People can start to understand and familiarize themselves with people at scale within the company, which already we all know, like that does a large lift in terms of recognition, rapport, buy and trust. And so our plan is to have, you know, let's just call it 10 of these people, 10 questions each. It's recorded. It's on a segment just like this, right? Where it's very casual and conversational. We record those, clip those up, right? And then all of a sudden you've got at least 100 clips right there. If you take every question from every SME and they're intentional. And so you start there. But that's not even breaking it down into, is this a social post? Is this a blog? Is this like a, here are the biggest takeaways from what Lasso is doing as a company that, you know, event industry professionals will want to know about. But it's getting out of our own way and having the conversation with our customers in a co-creation content type of way as well. We're not talking about us, not talking about Lasso. It's not about we, it's about you. It's about your team. It's about your business. And so we're focused on addressing those pain points and those things that people are talking about publicly and address or privately and talking about them publicly and putting them out there and letting that be the bridge between awareness to the deal. Ooh, very cool. Okay, this is cool because this idea of content creation using your company subject matter experts on your team, not every company is gonna do this, but if you are a company that's got like, you know, you said we use creativity as an ethos, it's ingrained into what we do daily. Plus, just looking at who you work, what industry you work in, you're you're in the events and entertainment industry, right? So that kind of puts you in a place where, okay, we're going to look at these guys, like what are they putting, what content are they putting together? So would you agree with that? That since you're in the yeah, space, yeah. you kind of have to be For a little sure. bit entertaining. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of those like little connective tissue points that make sense, right? Like our event production companies, video is a part of that. So for us to be video forward makes sense on that level, let alone the level of like video being prioritized across social and just in general, a a consumption standpoint. So that obviously is one part of the puzzle. And then just going back to scale, right? Like we've got four people on our team. And if we're trying to create content, oh, by the way, and like everything we're doing with content we've got product launches, we've got a new website that's going out, like we're trying to understand the new products and how we're positioning this and try to be creative from a campaign standpoint, like this is not something that's a single project for us. So we have to think about how do we scale content and maybe front load it, right? So maybe the front load nature of that is our head of content coming up with the questions, us talking through them as a team, setting up the time to have those 30 minute calls. But then after that, we can outsource that to an editor, or, I mean, it would take us longer, we could do that, but for us, we've got the budget to outsource it. Let's clip all these things up, right? And then come up with that plan too of how we wanna break that cadence out, where they're gonna live, what's the distribution plan, but the scaling part of it is so big too, because you know it's not like we have all the time in the world, we've gotta be scrappy, we've gotta be thinking what's gonna get us the most bang for the buck, both in terms of cost and time. Yeah, that makes sense. Your VP of growth, is that the same thing as like VP of marketing? Or like, why'd you guys decide to call you VP of growth? Yeah, for us, more or less, yeah. I think where growth really comes into play for me is I'm focused on revenue throughout the life cycle. So it's really more of the life cycle marketing approach of, okay, yeah, we're responsible for net new and scheduled demos and, and things like that, but also upsell demos, right? Like how are we 
creating content and experience and revenue, going back to those two points, right? Like experience and revenue on the customer side. And in 2023, this is a perfect time too, right? Because you've got everything that's happened with inflation, layoffs, SVB, these sort of things. And so the focus is on that expansion, upsell, and those customers that are already using you to close the gap. So it's a combination of that net new and upsell approach. And I think that's why we landed on growth. Yeah. Okay. So then you've got your 10 people. I just want to make sure I understand because this is cool. 10 people within the team at the company, they could be all over any, they don't have to be in the marketing team because you said you have four people on the marketing team, right? Right. We're going to do our founder and CEO. Okay. We've got the president of our company and CRO who does our podcast, who's a, a great voice in the industry, head of sales, head of marketing, head of CS, head of product. All the leaders. Yeah, yeah. And also people that have direct touch points with the customers too. So we've got like an AE that we're going to bring on board. We've got a CSM that we're going to make part of this experience too. You know, it just connects the dots, not only for us as a company, but for other people that are listening in and like, what is product working on? Why should I care? And that's even if we're just talking about Lasso specifically, but it's all in how you phrase it and making it relevant to whoever's listening. It's not, again, it's not about Lasso creating a product, why is this a problem to begin with? And this is why we've chosen to do it, right? It's it's a great chance for us to talk about why we build stuff, the way, you know, when we build stuff. And a large part of that is based on customer feedback. So it's just tying that into the larger community and ecosystem in which we operate because we're a part of the community too. We just happen to be providing software for it. Yeah. When you said that you're going to co-create you said you're going to co-create your content. Are you bringing those conversations, those 30-minute segments, are you bringing on customers to chat or is it just the subject matter expert? Not yet. I mean by co-create is like with things like the podcast, and I would like us to get further down the road with our customers are super busy seasonally. And so we've got to attack at the right time. But having more of these conversations, similar to where I think you and I both kind of started with Chris Walker's content on those Tuesday nights where everybody has a voice, you can come off and ask a question and it's casual and it's very community based. That's what I think of when I'm thinking of co-creation content. It's like, yeah, we know some things as a software company. Yes, we have access to data. Yes, we have subject matter experts, but so do you. You know, your team does too. You know these pain points just as well as us. And so let's talk about how we solve these problems together because us just talking about them or you just talking about them isn't going to work. And I think the COVID reset in a lot of ways opened people's eyes in a lot of industries to we can't do things the way we've been doing things. This was a nice to have before. Now it's a need to have. And so here's how we get there. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for diving deeper into that. So in the time that we have left, I like to ask my guests whenever I have a chance to, do you have a question for me? Like what question, if you have one? I do. Okay, great. I'll give you two and you can decide which one you want to tackle. Okay, first one, where do you go or what do you do for creative inspiration? I would love to pick your brain on that. Or just knowing the kind of conversations that you have and, and all the people that you've talked to, what are some of the best ways that you've seen small marketing teams be intentional about being creative? Mm. Okay. I like both of those questions. So let's see if I can answer (laughs) both. Let's talk about the second one first. Did you say small intentional ways? Yeah. Well, small teams being intentional about being creative. Okay. So the thing about creativity is you're either going to 
make it an important part of your mindset around marketing or you're not. So what I found is either companies embrace it as part of the marketing equation that comes back to marketing equals creative plus revenue or they don't. And so it can't just be kind of like a throwaway thing. Otherwise, no one's going to notice. So really, I think creativity needs to just like you care about revenue for your business or else you're just not going to survive. Creativity needs to be just as important because we talked about how it's a balance. So the small teams, I think it just needs to be part of the day to day. Just when you say something like creativity is part of our ethos, that makes me really glad and really happy to hear that because it's not just like a side thing that you're working on the website. Oh, we need the designer. Okay, now we need to be creative. It's like, how do you weave that in to everything you do? Now, that's my belief. I've talked to so many startups, both on the B2C side and the B2B side. And for some reason on the B2C side, there's just so many more examples of they get it. They start thinking about the creative stuff. They start thinking about the brand. They start thinking about that even before they've created, they've got their R&D like working on the product because it provides the inspiration for their new product development. So there are some companies, of course, that I've talked to that have started their creative stuff go in their content creation, they're getting energized, they start the podcast, they start the articles, they do all that, and then they create their product. There are but fewer, I think, on the B2B side. I found many more examples. And then they use that as a fuel to just like their jet just fires up faster because of all the work that they put into the creative. So that's my recommendation is to make it part of everything you do. If you can be creative on a daily basis, that builds that muscle and you become more intentional about it. It just becomes as important as all the tactical things you're doing, all the meetings that you're scheduling, all that stuff, right? So that's my recommendation for small teams. It is possible. You just have to think about it and be intentional about it make it part of your ethos, like you said. And then how you asked me, how do I stay creative? What do I yeah. do? Like is, are, yeah. are there people that you um, gravitate toward? Are there places you go? Where do you, where do you get your creative inspiration from? So I am a painter. That's kind of been part of me for since childhood. So I, I actually, funny enough, the way I get out of the house, away from the kids, and I'm able to paint is I go to the sip and paint. Do you know the sip and paint places? Oh, yeah. I know the sip and paint. Yeah. So it's not my paint material of choice. Like it's acrylic. It's not oil paint that I would prefer, but that one dries longer and is smelly. So I can't really use it. So I go there. I have one scheduled in May. I have one scheduled in June because I haven't done one for like a few months already. And that's a long time for me. But all the paintings I have up in our house, that's a lot of them now are from the sip and paint. Um, <laughs> sometimes I follow what they're saying, but I've had, you know, I, I've done it for so long that I don't yeah, always follow. You're and I a go, rule breaker now. I'm a rule point. breaker. <laughs> yeah. I love it when they come up to me and they're like, oh, I would just add a little bit more red here or maybe just, and I'm just like, thank you. Thank you so much for your help. And then I just c- continue doing what I want to do. Do you know that I'm here every month? I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm starting to request. I'm like, do you think you can do this sort of painting? Like when you have a class and they're like, oh, okay, sure. It's scheduled. Just yeah. come join. So I'm really getting I into the, the community there and it's creating a place for me to continue to be creative. And I have met an artist that I really enjoy her work and she has classes. It's just, I can't take those classes yet, but someday it's like those really big canvas paintings. Yeah. I would love to do some of that stuff. So that's how I stay creative. Wait, Great why question. can't you do that? Why can't you do that right now? 
time, space. I would need like a studio space. Okay, got it. It's big. These are huge canvases. So, but it's recorded now. So it's on my plan. I will do it at yeah, some point no in life. There's no turning back now. You, there's you no turning back. <laughs> there's proof. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. So thank you, Drew. Drew, this was an awesome conversation. Thanks for those delightful questions. And if anybody wants to find Drew, you can do so on LinkedIn, Drew Brucker, and check out Lasso, lasso.io. And I'm so glad I had you on. First, I had, you know, I had discussions with you as just a podcast listener, and now you're on the show. So thank you for bringing your expertise. Yeah, honored to be here. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.